Welcome to episode 27 of the Leadership in Context podcast with Keith Tusi. Welcome to Leadership in Context, a conversation on leadership in the context of the local church. For show notes, email podcast at innerpastors.com. And now here's Keith Tusi. We've been talking about Pentecostal and charismatic distinctives over the last few podcasts. And one of the subjects that really needs to be addressed is the issue of divine healing. I want to read to you from Exodus, the 23rd chapter, and the 25th verse. But you shall serve the Lord your God, and he will bless your bread and your water, and I will remove sickness from your midst. There shall be no one miscarrying or barren in your land. I will fulfill the number of your days." I believe that is a covenant promise that Jehovah Rapha made to his covenant people that we certainly are included in as children of Abraham. I believe God wants to heal the sick, but that cannot just be based on my good intuition. It must be based on the word of God. Of course, Isaiah 53 gives us the beautiful description of the crucifixion 700 years before it happens. And it describes the suffering Savior as somebody who is whipped and bitten, whipped and beaten, excuse me, who suffered tremendously for us. And the end of that passage says, and by his stripes we are healed. Now there are some folks that suggest that for whatever reason, that that passage is not referring to divine healing. There are some people that even suggest, that many of the Jewish scholars suggest, and that's why they reject Christ, is that it's referring to the healing of a nation. Well, it might have those extensions, but it's obviously referring to the touching of a body, a physical body. The greatest authority for that is actually found in the New Testament. In Matthew 8.17, it says, He bore our infirmities, our weaknesses, our sicknesses, Okay, and he has delivered us, that he has healed us. He's borne our infirmities in Jesus' name. And this is in the midst of Jesus' miracle ministry that he was carrying on while he was on earth. Remember Acts 10.38, how Jesus was anointed by God and went about doing good and healing all those who were oppressed by the devil. So when this is happening in Jesus' ministry, in Matthew, the 8th chapter, chapter, many people are being healed, many people are being delivered, and we understand from reading the scripture, it says in 8.17, this was to fulfill what was spoken through Isaiah the prophet, that he himself took our infirmities, and carried away our diseases. So according to the Apostle Matthew, what Jesus was doing was part of that covenant found in Exodus 23, that he, even in his life, was bearing our infirmities and carrying our sicknesses away. Of course, later on, the Apostle Peter echoes the same thing. So I believe there's significance significant scriptural authority to say that divine healing is included in the act of redemption. Divine healing is included in the atonement. 
In Galatians 3, we see that we're delivered from the curse of the law. And if you'll read the curses of the law found in Deuteronomy 28, there's a great list of diseases that are given very graphically. So according to Galatians 3, we've been delivered from that list. So the question would be, if healing was provided in the atonement, like salvation, why are people not getting healed? Well, I think there are some answers to that, but let's back up one step. If salvation, and it was, was provided in the atonement, why are people not being saved? Well, they're not being saved because their heart isn't open, because they don't have faith to hear the word. There's lots of reasons why they're not being saved, but we're not going to quit preaching salvation, are we? And then on the other side of it, there are people who we believe to be saved who are certainly not walking in victorious living. They are not having the overcoming life. They're the new creation reality, even though they have seemed to have repented and called on the name of the Lord and in other areas of their life are trying to live right, yet they are living in defeat with chronic oppression, addictions, things of this nature. But does that mean that they're not saved? Well, the same understanding would apply to healing that we need to proclaim healing and hold that as the standard because faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. God does not respond to our needs. He can respond to our needs, but we're talking about covenant theology here where God is responding to what he has provided. So the fact that some people do not get healed, actually many people do not get healed, should not stop us from proclaiming the word. I believe there is a dearth of teaching on this subject, though. I know I pray for people often, and I ask them, what scripture are you standing on? And more often than not, they don't have a verse to stand on. They're just, well, I just believe God wants to heal me. Well, you can't just believe unless you have a scripture to believe on. Faith comes by hearing, and hearing by the word of God. So we've got to pump the word of God out there. There needs to be, I believe, systematic teaching from the Bible on a regular basis in the context to build up people's faith so that when we're praying for them, we're just not appealing to their need or even to their hope or even to their brokenness, but we're appealing to faith. Remember James 5 said, Is any sick among you, let him call for the elders of the church, and the prayer of faith will raise him up. And if he's committed any sin, they will be forgiven him. So here we see somebody operating in faith, having hands laid on them, and them being raised up. He also brings the sin issue here. There is no doubt that if we're walking in willful disobedience against God, that we get outside of his covenant blessings. Uh, And I think we need to take that very seriously. So sin can have an effect on divine healing. Look at Paul's admonition to the Corinthian church. When he was talking about there are people that are weak and sick, and some have even fallen asleep, they've died because you haven't discerned the Lord's body properly. Now, in that context, he's dealing with sin. He's dealing with selfishness. He's dealing with people that are fighting at the Lord's table, and he's saying you haven't discerned the Lord's body. So that would certainly, first of all, refer to Jesus himself and then to us as his physical body on earth. So if we nullify his body, if we say he didn't provide healing for us, or 
we treat other people like they're less worthy than us, we're not discerning the Lord's body. That would be sin. And Paul said they're sick and weak and are dying in the church because they got sin in their life. So covenant is a party of two, right? And we are in agreement with that. And we're believing God to appropriate the blessings of salvation, the sozo faith, the Greek word, that incorporates spirit, soul, and body. So sin can have an effect. But without a doubt, and we need just to face up to this, the single biggest deterrent to people getting saved is faith. Just like the single biggest deterrent to people getting healed is faith. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. We need to be stirring faith up in believers. We need to set a new culture where we're preaching the word, having people examine themselves, having people get ready to receive prayer, and then releasing their faith and believing God for a supernatural outpouring of faith. Well, someone would say, what about going to the doctor? I don't think there's a prohibition on going to the doctors in Scripture. They're not listed highly, quite frankly, but I don't see a prohibition. But anybody going to a doctor should, I would say, must believe that it's God's will to heal them. Why would you go to a doctor if you didn't believe it was God's will to heal you? Wouldn't that be disobedience? Wouldn't that be resisting the will of God? So we need to understand this. One of the greatest reasons I believe that we're not seeing people healed is there's just not a desperation. We have uh, you know, great medical coverage for most people today. Of course, there's this whole national push. And let me just tell you something about this national push about health care. Listen to me. It's not about health care. It's about Big Brother. It's about Uncle Sam taking the place of God where we no longer need to depend on God at all. We have to have this because God is not to be depended on. So there needs to be a place where we go to God first. Do we go to God first in the issues of healing? Is there an atmosphere of believing faith in our churches? This passage in Exodus 23, he will take sickness out of the midst of us. I believe that's very powerful. I believe that's uncharted grounds for a lot of people where we're not preaching community and Bible life and covenant living to the degree that we believe that when we get together, that there is a powerhouse, that there is an anointing that will break sin, will break curses, will break sicknesses, and that people being together, being properly connected together with every joint supplying is producing healing that is divine in nature and can thoroughly be blamed and acknowledged to come from Almighty God. He is Jehovah Rapha. He is the Lord that healeth us. He did carry away our sicknesses, and he did bear our infirmities, according to Matthew 8, 17 and Isaiah 53. He did heal all who came to him. Now, as believers, we have a responsibility to know God's will, to propagate God's will, to be filled with God's will, and to share God's will on this vital subject. I want to encourage you to really consider doing an in-depth series, some messages on the Lord who heals thee, and dig into the scriptures 
so that we're not just taking a verse or two out of context, as powerful and truthful as it may be, but really laying it out, explaining what Matthew 8, 17, for instance, was in reference to digging in to James 5 and talking about that, digging in to the Lord's table and Paul's admonition about that, digging into God's covenant promises about healing, digging in to why the apostles felt so bold that they could pray for people, and using that to stimulate us rather than just needs and desires. Using the Word of God. Faith comes by hearing, hearing by the Word. Hey, this is Keith. It's been great to spend a few minutes with you on this podcast. Get a hold of the Word. Let it rise up in you. Lay hands on somebody and let the Lord do His work in Jesus' name. Today, Keith had a conversation about divine healing. Our churches need systematic teaching on a regular basis to build up people's faith so that when we are praying for them, we aren't just appealing to their needs or their hope or their brokenness, but to their faith. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the Word of God. Thanks for listening this week to another episode of Leadership in Context with Keith Tusi. Join us next week as Keith continues to put leadership truths in the context of the local church. As always, subscribe, like, rate, and share our podcast. For show notes or to ask Keith a question, email podcast at inourpastors.com. If you would like more information, check out our website, inourpastors.com. Make sure you follow us on Facebook and Instagram at inourpastors. See you next week.